Hey folks, welcome to episode four of Said Connects, Cannabis Entrepreneurial Dialogues. My name is Julia and I'm here with our co-host Danny this evening. Our mission is to create spaces for people of color to share their stories, educate, and empower our communities. Last week, we spoke with Chef Diego Ladiosa, a cannabis chef out of Brooklyn, New York, and her journey to educate and provide proper dosing in her Caribeña cuisine. So tonight we're excited to sit down with this powerhouse couple that's in the cannabis industry. They're one of the few Latino-owned cannabis brands in California. They're family-owned. They're social equity verified out of Humboldt County. With that being said... I want to introduce everyone to 7th Wave owners, Elisa and Timo Espinosa. What up, guys? What's up? Thanks for having us. How's it going, Danny, Julia? Hello. We are so excited to finally meet in this way, right? In this capacity, because we've been organizing and working together in different ways and using other avenues due to the pandemic, but this is really cool, like being able to highlight Folks that have blown us away time and time Aww. again. So we are very excited. And vice versa. I mean, it's 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 very cool. It's like, yeah, we've been working together in other platforms, but to like actually sit down, it's the first time we've seen each other face to face like this and good vibes. Appreciate it. I know. It's really exciting for me. I was looking forward to this really just to be able to sit down and have the moment to like talk to each other, you know, and just like dive deep into who we are and get to know each other. So I'm juiced. Let's do it. There Let's you go. go. I, I got my stones here. I got our plants. Have y'all, are y'all elevated? Did y'all take anything well, today? Of course. You know, it was like, a, like I, I had a little power nap today. So I like rolled yeah. out of bed and went, did a wake and bake in the middle of the afternoon. Well, five o'clock, six o'clock, right? Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah. Is it your brand? Is it your product? It is. Yeah, it is. I'm probably going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let well, me know when I can. Things well, I can. We'll pull that out. <laughs> She's okay. like... <laughs> You gotta stop smoking our jars. Anyway, Timo's feeling real good right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. I mean, I'm on your page, and for those of uh, those of you that are listening, if you'd like to go follow and go see the beautiful products that are coming out of these folks, um, 4G's flower on Instagram, right? Yeah, 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 that's our the little- number four G E E Z flower. And then we also have um, so we so we have four G's as our brand, but we also have Seventh Wave, which is actually our distribution, our manufacturing and delivery license. And funny story about our four G's um, Instagram. We got on Clubhouse. I got on Clubhouse the very first time I got on Clubhouse was on New Year's Day, right? I got accepted to Clubhouse. I. Really didn't know what it was about. The very next day after New Year's, my Instagram account got deleted. And I think we had, I don't know, we had like three or 400 followers maybe. So it wasn't that big of a deal because we didn't have a whole lot of followers, but we were kind of devastated because like we were just about to launch this brand. We kind of been working on this IG and just randomly, I didn't know if it was from Clubhouse. I don't know what happened. I just know that our stuff got deleted, deleted. 
<clears throat> so um, we started a new Instagram page, Seventh Wave, seven T H underscore Wave, and we kind of built that up and mm-hmm. kind of just left that one alone. And I reached out to a friend of a friend of a friend who was just like experimental. So let me see if I can get your page back, type of thing. And the dude worked on it for a couple of weeks, and boom, I got my page back. Mm-hmm. But we had already built up Seventh Wave, so we kind of got to go back and clean up Four G's flower. So it's it's yeah. you know. Unfinished. It's under construction. <laughs> a work in progress. Yes. A work in progress. Yeah. All right. And, and so talk to us about how this all came about. Talk to us about your upbringings. I know both of you guys have two completely different upbringings. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, I guess I'll go first. So so I'm a first generation Latina here, you know, in San Francisco, born and raised. And um, my parents are from El Salvador. So they both came here in the 80s from as a result from the Civil War, right? We grew up, when I say we, it's me and my three sisters. We grew up in a very conservative household, and my parents were very traditional. So cannabis was not anything that was spoken about in my house, um, let alone any type of knowledge or research or education around it. So when it came time to, for me at least, becoming like curious, you know, a little teenager, and it came time to wanting to kind of find out more about the plant. It was basically just recreational. Um, And it was me, um, I want to say I started smoking cannabis at about 13, 14 years old. And at the time, like I said, it was recreational, but little did I know it was providing medicine for me. You know what I mean? Um, And it wasn't until fast forward many years later that I, you know, Timo and I had already started our relationship and we just started the company. At the same time, we actually got uh, pregnant with our baby girl, who's going to be a year now. And um, she, it was funny because she was actually supposed to be born on 420. <laughs> Man, and, I was pushing for it. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He couldn't wait. But she was Lisa the wasn't doing the pushing. <laughs> yeah. So she was born the day after, right? 421. And on that day, we got news that our permits um, for the business were cleared and set to go and we can actually begin operations. So it's funny because I was literally giving birth and Timo's on the phone with Arcata and they're like, oh, you just got your permits. And I'm like screaming my lungs out. You know what I mean? It was hilarious. <laughs> and that was like actually on 420 because you hadn't yeah. delivered yet. So yeah. I got the news on 420 that we were going to be able to begin construction. Yeah. And I remember telling her like, if our daughter is born on 420, I'm going to name her Maria Juana. And that was was not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) So that did not happen. (laughs) But anyway, so back to the story, right? So I I had baby girl and shortly after I developed postpartum depression and it was tough, like really, really tough. I personally still, you know, during that time and even sometimes, you know, here and there, I feel like the stigma of the plant is very relevant subconsciously, you know? And for a while, though I knew it could have helped um, during that phase that I was going through, I, for some reason, like found an excuse as to why it wouldn't and why I shouldn't. 
And so I held off on taking any cannabis to help me during my postpartum depression for a few months. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I, I got to try something new. You know what I mean? I didn't want to take all the opioids that the doctors were trying to give me. Like, you know, that medicine was like tough, you know, really addictive. And so I went ahead and started um, microdosing cannabis. And literally that first like intake was just... I swear, I was just kind of like, why didn't I do this earlier? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't understand why I let the stigma um, just kind of like blind me, you know, from being able to cure myself, you know what I mean? And using this as a medicine. So with that, you know, and just my experience through that, that gave me the passion to want to get involved in the company. And originally, I actually wasn't involved in the company as much. Um, I actually intentionally did not want to be involved because I felt that that was Timo's dream, you know, and that was his road. And he was going to do that. And I was just going to support him. But then after a while, you know, with my own experience and then just kind of realizing how necessary it was for people like me who needed the education and needed to understand the importance of cannabis. Once I learned it, I felt like there's like millions of people like me that need to understand that there needs to be a shift in the mindset. You know what I mean? So it, it, because of that, I became involved. And then I'll stop there. I'll go ahead and let you take it over. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, she's been very, uh, she's been from the beginning of this whole process, you know what I mean? From the minute, like deciding we're going to go down this road, she's been right there, whether sometimes with, you know, having the baby and going through the pregnancy, obviously it was like totally having to check out, you know what I mean? As I'm trying to build this because it's something that she didn't have to worry about during that time, you know? So, so we had that understanding as well. Um, but yeah, about me, I'm a second generation legacy operator. I've been in this industry um, since I ever since I can remember my whole life, right? So as I was reading your information, I I read le legacy, and again I was like, what is that? What does that mean? Who gives you that title? You know what I mean? How is that being said? Can you elaborate on for sure. the term legacy? For sure. So. Legacy to me, basically, to, to really sum it up in a nutshell and simplify it, but I'll go deeper, is basically people who are in this industry before it was cool, right? Or before it was legal, more importantly. So when I say legacy, it means my story, my brand, our brand all revolves around legacy. Like if you look at the 4G's jar, it's 49er font. On the writing, that four G's is forty nine or yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> that was my idea, <laughs> and it was her idea, and it, and it gave a good look. But I had to yeah. really like stay away from forty nine or colors, right? Because mm -hmm. I don't want it to be like a football type of thing, you know. I wanted to have that that font, and really looking at that font, I thought about forty ers right? And not the, the team, but the actual forty ers that were doing the goal rush, right? To me, that's legacy. Right. That's something that's old. It's like it's it's legacy. Like these are things that happened during the 49er gold rush that changed the way stuff is done, like business is done and the gold rush, the the Levi's being built. It's just the whole in San Francisco. Then you get into that. Right. There's a whole legacy. So that brand, that writing kind of represents that. Right. My story or of how this company is built is built around legacy. So. Rewinding back to my father being in the industry from the 60s, like 
he would tell me stories of people going on boats, sailboats to the to Mexico, and then coming back to San Francisco with pounds of weed. You know, this is before Humboldt County was even established, or there were probably people up there growing weed, but it wasn't on the level like it is now. So that's how a lot of the cannabis was coming through was through sailboats, right? So he would like walk up and down the streets of San Francisco with a grocery bag filled with weed and he would just be selling it because these guys knew he was a barber and the barber knew everyone. You know what I mean? Like they get, they got to reach to everybody. So it was very sophisticated back then growing up and being around the plant my whole life. Like I've learned a lot about the plant. I was like already buying pounds of weed on my way to high school. You know, there was a park by by my house called Dolores Park and you can go there at eight in the morning, bro. And there'd be like 30, 40, you know, Latinos in there, people that, you know, we're just moving this weed, Mexican weed, you know, brick weed. And you can buy, you know, a half ounce for 35 bucks. You can buy a pound for a couple hundred bucks. It was just, it was crazy. So growing up selling weed my whole life, I got to a point in my life where I kind of just, I made a life change, right? I kind of got into spirituality. I kind of made a conscious decision to like, let go of everything I was doing that wasn't on the up and up in my life. And I never stopped smoking cannabis, but I stopped dealing in cannabis for some years. And I did that because I was just kind of going through a transition in my life to where I just, I wouldn't even jaywalk, right? It was just like a, a, like a cleansing for myself. So I kind of did away with that part of my life for many years. And then when things got legal, I was like, well, shit, you know, I can play now. It's legal. You know what I mean? Like now I'm not going to be risking my family. I'm not going to be risking my job at the time or whatever it was I had going on in my life behind this plant. So I decided to get back in it. And it's just like riding a bike. You know what I mean? All my contacts are still there. All the people that I knew that were buying were still there. All the people that were selling were even better now. You know what I mean? Like people have elevated in their skills. So basically, so when legalization started happening, I started looking for ways to get legal. And I was like already making herbal medicine. I was making like topicals and I was giving it to people in my community, to elders in my community. And they were really liking it. It was really helping. And it was giving me a, such a great feeling to know that I was giving medicine out to people that were would never touch cannabis. These are old people. Right? Like, you know, a lot of my elders are old Puerto Ricans and they're like, Oh, in Spanish, I don't get You know what I mean? I try to keep, they're like, hell no. But two, three days later, they're like, you know what? That stuff worked on my knee. I don't know. We're like, I'm thank you, but I'm glad you liked it. You know what I mean? And, and he starts telling people, you know how old people, older people are, right? It's like they got a nice little knit community. So we're moving that product just to different people, like not even really selling it. I'm just kind of giving it away at first. And then it turned into me going and buying tins and like, now I'm monetizing this and it's just so boom, that's how we started getting into the legal side of things with this actual product. Like we were getting approached by investors that were interested because it was 2018. Green Rush was hard on. You know what I mean? Everybody was dumping money into the industry. So I started trying to navigate how to get legal. I was reached by a friend of our family that used to deal with my father. So my father had a 40 year relationship with these people in Humboldt County. And they had two farms and a warehouse. My father had passed away in 2015, but in 2018, the connection was still there with these people. And they were like, look, we know that you're trying to go legal and you're trying to get a legal game. We got this warehouse. They own the building, so they carried the note. We're able to purchase the building directly from them without having to deal with a bank. So we cut out a lot of red tape there, right? We were able to do that. We purchased the building 
and we started our business, right? So if you really sit back and look at this to explain legacy, it's like this whole business was built on a relationship from 40 years ago. You know what I mean? In this cannabis industry. And that's what legacy is to me, to answer your question. <laughs> no, it was beautiful. Beautifully <laughs> said and shared. I love it. I'm glad I asked the question. I just wanted to go back and touch on some of the things that you shared, Elisa. Um, I also suffered from postpartum depression. I know that during my pregnancy, I would use like topical, uh, you know, lotions for my back pain because I had crazy lower back pain. Mm -hmm. And that was like the only, like, not only would it work, but it would knock me out. And you know how hard it is to sleep, right? Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, <laughs> two for two. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I remember when I was in the labor room, my mom didn't leave my side the whole time. And so I'm sitting here like, Danny, how can we sneak this in? Like, I need a back rub, you know? And Timo, like what you had mentioned in the past, the only way that I had really dealt with cannabis and my mom mm -hmm. uh, was I'd give her a nug in alcohol, you know, and she didn't ask, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask me where it came from. We're not going to talk about it because just like you, Elisa, I was raised Central America, you know, Salvadoran raised three sisters, mm -hmm. uh, very conservative. We didn't. We talked about cannabis and the way all drugs are bad. Yeah. All drugs are bad. All right. drugs are bad. All drugs are bad. Yeah. And so when I hear you speaking about like, I don't know why I didn't, that wasn't something I went to. I don't know why that wasn't something I tried when you were actually giving the drugs that, you know, the pharmaceuticals were giving you a chance and opportunity blindly. You know what I mean? We do it kind of blindly because we don't know what really is, is how it's going to affect us, how it's going to play with our body and with our minds, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's important to say, because it does take us so long to unlearn and retrain our brains yeah. and give ourselves that opportunity, Definitely. you know, to think for ourselves and feel for ourselves and trust ourselves, you know, have that self-confidence to be like, I know my body best. Yeah, I know what's going to work for me. Yeah, You know, we kind of leave it up to these doctors and you know, they know what's best, but for you to really like internalize that you knew what was best. That's so powerful. Yeah. And that's a gift that I'm sure y'all are going to give your children. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just, yeah, like exactly what you said, like it, for me, like I really do regret just not trusting myself earlier. You know what I mean? You put it, you put it exactly the way it is because it just, man, I feel like, you know, thinking back to that time, there could have been so many moments where like, you know, I was crying, I was upset, I was mad, I was stressed out, overwhelmed, you know, there was moments where I was like regretting what, I, what did I do? You know what I mean? Like what? And it just, it, you know, looking back at it now, obviously it was the postpartum depression. It's not me. You know what I mean? I love my little girl conditionally 100%, you know, and I will never, ever regret her, you know, but like, those emotions are real and they come without your control, you know, and to have to go through that and feel like your only choice is to take an opioid that you can get hooked on, you know what I mean? And then it'll be so much harder for you to let go later on versus cannabis, you know, cannabis and a herb that, you know, medicinally it's good for you and it has these properties, but 
there's this stigma of like you're a pothead or it's gonna be bad for the baby you know what i mean i was i was uh pumping at the time um and giving baby breast milk and um you know the doctors like advised me right away like i shouldn't be consuming any cannabis no alcohol you know all that it all fell under the same realm you know and it wasn't until you know like i said later on that i ended up feeling like why did i listen to that you know like if i knew at the end of the day what was more important for me to be a better mom was to take care of myself and in that moment it was to use cannabis you know <laughs> yes yes absolutely um, I also heard this, and this is something that I, I wanted to share in this space, when you said that you didn't want to get as involved as you are now, mm-hmm. because that was Timo's dream. Mm-hmm. And now you are very heavily involved. You are <laughs> partners in crime, right? <laughs> and I think that is so powerful. That means so much for so many of us that are in the industry, you are a woman, you're a woman of color, you are young, mm-hmm. you, and you're sitting in this space that, you know, like little girls looking at Kamala Harris, you know, little girls looking at people like you that are like, I can be that. Yeah. I can be that boss. Yeah. I can be the owner. That is a realistic ask. Yeah. And you're doing it so early on in the game. So I just want to give you your kudos, give Aww. you your flowers yeah. <laughs> for that. It yeah. is important, but I know it doesn't come without struggle. Right. And like, can you share some of that? Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, like I said, like it was, it was hard, I think, for me to involve myself in something that I didn't consider was my own dream. You know what I mean? Um, but obviously I wanted to be a good partner to my husband. So I was like, I'm 100% going to support you, but at a distance, cause I still wanted to accomplish my own dreams, you know? And it's funny because it's like, when you're young, you know, like you have these ideas of like, oh, I'm going to be this when I grow up, or I'm going to be like a doctor, a lawyer, you know, like all these, you know, traditional roles. Right. And when life happens, you're like, okay, that changes. You know what I mean? One day you want to be this, and then the next day you turn to do this, you know? And so it's funny because life just happens, right? And you become and you go through certain things that, like, it just happens for you and makes the decisions for you. And so this company was going to happen with or without me, you know, 100%. I have 100% faith in my husband. (laughs) Um, But I knew also my value and his his um weaknesses you know what i mean like i knew that timo you know it administratively fell a little short sorry honey but mm-hmm. 100% <laughs> but you know what i mean like there's certain things that like he was good at and he's amazing at and he has like a skill in and there's other things that he needed help in that i actually knew to do well you know um I do have a master's degree in uh, public administration from the University of San Francisco. And what? No. Uh, <laughs> sorry, am I taking it over? No, it's a spotlight. Go, girl. <laughs> yes. So, no. And so for me, like just, you know, having the privilege, because it's a privilege to get an education, you know what I mean? So having that privilege to have been able to do that as a Latina, as a woman, like I, I know that I needed to use it, you know what I mean? And what better way to use it than our own company and what we're building for our own selves as a legacy company, you know? So anyway, it just, there was a moment, you know, when the baby came that I was like, all right, baby's here. 
but we have to figure out what's the best for our family. And it's to put our 100% effort into this company, you know, and it became a dream at the end of the day for me, you know, though it wasn't what I dreamt of in the beginning, like I adopted it, you know, and it's like, and it is a dream now, you know, that I want to see us accomplish. 100%. And she, like, even when she was thinking she was not wanting to be part of the business, she was still part of the business. I couldn't like, not be. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. didn't matter. Like, I respected her space, you know, like, so to talk about what, how Elisa's impact, how I noticed it in this industry space, like, when we first started talking about going legal, I was making these topicals, we were approached by another company, and they wanted to go into business together. And we were kind of like going back and forth. I was going to these meetings and we're going back and forth and I would come and tell her, so this is what happened and that would happen. And we were just kind of spinning our wheels, me and these other people. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, you know what you need? You need some organization. You need to do this, this and that. This is what she, cause she was doing that in school already. Yeah. And she was like, I think your paper was based on the cannabis industry it or was. something, right? So yeah. she had all these notes already. So we went to a meeting, she came, she sat all this down. It was about four or five of us. And she just organized everything, got the whole business started to where we were like ready to go to the next level within two meetings with her being involved. So I was like, damn, like there was someone in the meeting that was supposed to be the CEO. And I was like, you can pull the CEO shit off. You know what I mean? You know exactly how to run this business. So that was really cool. Right. And then me and that company, we kind of went our separate ways. And she was still like, okay, like we had a little fire going. So we just kind of moved on to the next level. And then she was like, you know, I think I'm going to take a step back right now. I just kind of have some other things I want to focus on. And I was like, okay, honey, whatever. But inside I was like, no way. You know what I mean? Like, I so need help. Like, how are you going to just say that? Right? But I'm like, okay, honey, whatever you want, you know? So, <laughs> so we kind of did that, but. Even during that time, I would like, we'd be laying, sleeping down, laying in bed. I'd be like, so, you know, I think this building is going to go for this price. What do you, and she'd be like, well, why don't you do it this way? Like, she didn't know. She was still building the build the business with me, whether she wanted to or not. Right. So, so that's kind of how that rolled out. And it's like, I say this all the time. It's like, people think I'm the boss or CEO is just yeah. a title that don't really mean anything. Or it's like, so Timo, how did you start this company? And it's like, it's very it's it's difficult for me to be like man it's it, this is a big picture it's not just me right and when i talk to some of these dispensary people and they're like well can you work on the price are you flexible on the price and my response is like i got to talk to the boss you know what i mean like it's not me i got to call her and i'm like honey what do you think you know should we sell this jar for 27 and she'll be like no we need to get 28 <laughs> you know what i mean so no the answer is no you know what i mean it's so that's just how it is. She is the boss. It's yeah. that she is here at the house as well. You know, like whatever it is, like I, I, I go to her for the support, you know, for the answer that I may not be able to have and vice versa. You know what I mean? That's just how we work together. And it's hard too, because like, you know, it's, it's definitely not easy. And you guys know this, you know, being like a family in a company and in the industry, you know, like it's, it's not easy, at least for me as a woman, you know what I mean? Like in the cannabis industry and in, in any industry, doesn't matter what you're doing as a woman, it's hard, you know? Um, and you have disadvantages. And for me, like just being the fact that I was a woman, that I was a woman of color and I was a new mom was hella overwhelming. So it, it made me feel like, okay, I can't do all of this. You know what I mean? And also be a part of the company. And 
eventually, you know, after going through my postpartum and leaning on Timo for support and just kind of taking it on on his own for a while and, you know, me like just kind of curing myself through through what I was going through, like I had a realization that like, hell yeah, I could do it all, you know, like I could I could play many hats and accomplish all of them well, you know, and so um, so coming to that realization was really difficult and it took a long time, you know, like it, it took a long time for me to accept the fact that I had all these roles and I was going to do the best I could, you know, and now we're here and we're making it happen. It's mm-hmm. not easy at all by any means. You know, we have challenges literally daily, like, and not just Monday through Friday, it's Monday through <laughs> Sunday, you know, like the challenges that we have to encounter on a daily basis would drive anybody crazy, you know? Yeah, and so I just appreciate the fact that we do have a family, you know, situation where we can lean on each other. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like we're very privileged in that situation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I, I would tell us the other day, like, I don't understand how, you know, you haven't killed me yet. You know what I mean? Just just going through building a business yeah. and like, you know, raising a daughter and just all these things at one time is a lot for a couple to try to handle. But the fact that we're kind of doing it and we're still like smiling at each other and giving each other kisses is like, it's a testament to what we have. You know what I mean? And I honor that. And we can definitely, again, relate to that, as you mentioned, you know, as we're doing this interview, (laughs) baby girl, I had to put on headphones on baby girl with her tablet so that she could keep cool while we continue this, right? (laughs) And so um, definitely relate to that family unit and making sure that we continue to push forward with all those ideas. And, you know, I'm the same way. Like, I, I, I see something, I visualize it. And I'll tell Julia all the time, like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. You know what? We're going to have a TV show one day. You know what? We're (laughs) going to have a network. We're going to do this. And she would look at me like, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) No. And I'm like, watch. It's going to (laughs) happen. And she's like, all right, whatever. And then it happens. And then she's like, oh, shit. (laughs) That sounds like and straight yeah. up, like straight up. <laughs> but I had to make a conscious decision. I think I've shared this story recently a lot more than I ever had before. I used to, when I would hear him speak in my mind, I would be like, there he goes with his dreams. There he goes being wild. You know what I mean? Like, okay, boy, whatever. But then I was like, I sat, my, I sat down with myself and I was like, yo, that's your partner. If you're not going to support him and stand behind, you know what I mean? Beside him, not behind him, beside him. Mm -hmm. Don't block the energy either. Don't block the possibilities. You know what I mean? Okay. How are you going to make that happen? Who do you have that you can network, network with, right? Like who can help you get to where you're going? Like, let's talk this out. Let's, let's not leave it in that realm of possibility. Let's make it actual truth. Right. Yeah. And now I feel like, since I've changed my mindset, so many doors have opened for him. So many opportunities have come through. So it's so like, you know, your, your, your mind, your intentionality, everything, you know, the energy that you pour into each other, into yourselves, it, all of that counts. All of that has to flow. Yeah. And going back to something that you mentioned, I'm also institutionally trained, right? I'm, I studied social work and I'm now in the cannabis industry, right? And 
my mom is, you know, she was sad. She was really sad that I didn't stay in social work, you know, like, eso es lo que estudió, you know, that's what you should, you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I tell her, mommy, I do more social work in this space with the folks that I'm working with than I did in in the other spaces. Right on. Yeah. You know, I'm connecting people with resources. I'm building and empowering communities. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm giving yeah. them pouring all my knowledge into them. So I come home and I'm like, this is where I need to be. All of that trained me to be here. You know what I mean? All that, all the learning that I did prepared me for this. One. Where I need to be right now. You know, and it's contagious. It is. It's contagious. Like, and I could speak on her family. Like she mentioned that she comes from a very conservative family. You know, her father is runs. I mean, he has four daughters and they all got their master's degrees. Think about that. You know what I mean? It's like where I come from, there's at least one fuck up in the family. You know what I mean? But <laughs> not, not here. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, not here. And, and it really, it impressed me to see this man. Like when I met him and just to, I already knew all the sisters before I met him. But when I met him and I was like, I had to give him his kudos for that. Like, wow, you know, like you raised four daughters and they're all doing really well. Like that really proves how he kind of like ruled that family with the iron fist. You had to, right? To keep that like that. So here I come into this family, Mr. Black Sheep, you know what I mean? I come rolling in here, bah, and I'm doing cannabis, right? <laughs> and her dad was like, he was watching and listening to what was going on. I never told him, yeah, I want to get, I want you to get into the cannabis business. It was just like me having my building prints, like looking for someone to buy this building so that I could rent it from them and start my business. Mm -hmm. And one day he was just like, Timo, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm trying to see this building. I had the prints and I'm showing him the prints. I'm like, this building right here, if I could sell this building to somebody, I'm going to make them a lot of money and I'm going to make my company in that building. And he was like, what do you mean? So I kind of explained to him the concept, like, this is cannabis. It's in a zone where you can only do cannabis. So it's like a really good commodity. And if I can find someone to invest in that building, I could rent it from them and I can start my cannabis business. So he was like, so you need a partner. And I was like, yeah, I guess. He goes, okay, I'll do it. And he basically jumped on board and became my partner. And it just like, I think it was, like I said, it's contagious, right? They see this, the, the, this business being built and it's like a lot of passion and you know, you're watching your loved ones and it's like, fuck, I want to play. Right. Mm -hmm. So even her other sisters are involved, you know, and it's like one of her sisters is shooting a documentary and she like documented my story. She's using this as her thesis for her master's degree at Northwestern. You know what I mean? Another sister is like helping with the social media. And it's like kind of what you said, like it's a family thing and like everybody wants to play and get involved and support each other. And I just think that's, that's really cool. And I did want to just like touch upon like what you said to Julia about like it being like the, you know, your parent, your mom, when you explain that your mom, like, you know, felt like she didn't understand, you know, how you were utilizing your education in this industry. And it's funny because literally I'm dealing with it right now daily where like, I'll talk to my mom and it's my mom, not my dad. Right. But my mom 
will always tell me like, you know, you need to go out there and go find a different job. You need to use your master's degree, like not realizing that I literally work full time here. You know what I mean? Doing this company. No, it's not bringing in hella income right now, you know, but we're setting the footwork, you know, and you know, but in her eyes, it's like I almost just kind of wasted my degree. You know what I mean? And it's like, and it's a hard thing to battle because coming from the the thought of like, you need to have a degree in order to succeed. You need to have a bachelor's, a master's, whatever, in order to be relevant and make money. Like I came from that thought process, you know, and not to say that it doesn't have its benefits because it does, but it's not for everybody for sure, you know? And like, you know, now being in this industry and just how we're working it, like I do use my degree, right? And it's just not in the way that's traditionally, I guess, acceptable, you know? Absolutely. No, thank you for sharing that. And I don't think we can fault our parents. They're just, you know, they came in at a time when they're like, they were fed these lies, right? They were fed these these belief systems and they look healthy. They look correct. They look clean, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like that is the path, right? And so I, I was, there was no option. Like you didn't think about not going to school, not going to university. It was, which one are you going to, right? right? That was the question. Now that we have our own daughters, right? And I think about, that might not be the route that they need to take. Mm-hmm. And they can still be successful and they can still be powerful and they could still serve whatever purpose that they need to serve. Right. Funny you said that because I just had that conversation with my 11 year old literally on Friday. Like, and I kind of caught myself, but I was already knee deep into it. So I had to keep going. But <laughs> we were talking, and I was just like, I'm talking to her and she's, we're going back and forth and we're talking about school. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm stoned because I, I had just smoked before I picked her up. And I'm just like, you know what? Like a lot of the shit you're going to learn in school, daughter, you're not going to use in real life. It's just the truth. Right. And I'm just going on this rant and she's like looking at me and I'm just like, you know, certain things like you'll probably never use geometry unless you're going to be like a pool player. Right. With all these angles. Right. And she's just like looking at me. <laughs> and I'm like, but, you know, I went into the degree thing. I was like, a degree doesn't automatically guarantee you a job either, you know, and some people are not good at going to school. And I use her brother as an example. Like we put him in private school. We put him, we put him in a good high school. And once about, he got to about junior year, it was like, we came to the realization that school is not going to be his thing. You know what I mean? He struggled, he struggled, but he made it out. And now he's like, he's in a paramedic program. He's almost done. Like, that was what he needed. He needed something that's more hands-on and something he can succeed at. So, you know, I was having that conversation. And as I'm having that conversation, I'm stopping myself because in my mind, I'm saying, did you just tell your child that? Don't go to school. I'm like, I'm torn, right? And it's like, this is us kind of rethinking and re reorganizing ourselves and still kind of got that feeling. Of, Am I even doing this right? It's like it's set in your nerves, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm the same way too. Cause I mean, I, I never truly finished school either. I would, I would go, I would start it mid semester. I'm bored. I don't want to go. Yeah. And that's how I've always done things. But when it came to like work and get into this cannabis industry, it's so brand new. It's so, it's still in, in its infancy stages that I kind of just 
and and maybe it was because things fell into place the way they that the way that they did but i kind of just put myself in the position to where i'm at now just because i saw it like i saw there was a lane and i took it i didn't have i didn't need school to teach me that right like i didn't need that and and i and even before this i was already working in like i created my own nonprofit organization in the past and even in that experience i felt like as the owner of a nonprofit organization working in in the school sector like public education working with with early education i was already at the table with the directors of other programs and they're not asking me what school did you go to where did you graduate from they're looking at me as you're the you're the owner of this organ this nonprofit organization cool come on in let's see how can we work together how can we bring up how can we get money and that kind of got me thinking like do I really need to go to school? Do I really need to like do all of that if I'm already making these moves? Yeah. And having that mindset and then Julia with, you know, I went to school and I did this, that again clash. We clashed mm-hmm. in that sense too, right? But definitely see a lot of that those similarities on like it's a new way. It's a new wave. It's 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 a new way of thinking and definitely a way to keep pushing forward. For sure. And I think that's what makes the cannabis industry like that double edged sword. Right. Because like you said, there's so many lanes people can take in this industry right now. Right. So that's what brings people like you and me that take that lane. And then you got these opportunists and these big corporate companies that want to run those whole lanes over, too. You know what I mean? So it's a brand new industry. So everything is needed that you would need for any industry. Like Elisa was saying, her master's degree is in public administration, but it very much works with what we're doing. You know what I mean? Anything from cooking to construction to it's all tied into the cannabis industry at some point. You know what I mean? Well, it's business. Essentially you're running a business, right? And it had it been any other business, your degree wouldn't have come to question. Right. Because the fact that it's, it's in cannabis that's where the questions start happening is why are you getting into this? Why are you starting this? But essentially at the end of the day, you're operating a business. You're looking at margins. You're looking at your return on investments. You're looking at how, when you purchase this wholesale, like it's still a business mindset. And there's those things too, that folks that are coming into the industry, whether they're from legacy or not, there's also that disconnect. Mm -hmm. And you, if you have like the perfect blend of like making this work because you have that business mindset, you have the legacy operator and it's a perfect marriage, not only within the relationship that you two have, but to make this business work because you have both things working together. And with that, you guys would definitely be able to move forward. Yeah. 100%. Um, There were some things that we wanted to touch on. I know we were reading your profiles and your bio and in your bios santero that definitely piqued our interest one <laughs> um one for me because i you know i grew up in miami my stepdad is cuban and cuban culture there's a lot of santeros there's a lot of that conversation i remember growing up as a kid like 
at the door front of our house, we would have like some idols there and we would put the fruits and vegetables and put all these like necklaces and all kinds of stuff into the house. Never really understood why. I didn't take on that, but I remember it growing up. Yeah. And so, and I remember listening or hearing about Santero work and this and that. And so when I heard about it in Clubhouse, when I saw it there, I know Julia also brought it up. I was like, we definitely want to ask him about it. (laughs) (laughs) A little mysterious side, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Either way, man, what do you want to know? I'm an open book. Well, how how did that get going? Like, I know you brought up that you got into the spiritual side of things, but how, how how did the whole Santero thing come up? So basically I got I got turned on to it early in my life probably as a as a teenager as probably in my late teens from my mother and my sister they weren't really involved they were just dabbling kind of like going and get a reading and you know my mom would have these little altars she would set up in the house and at a young age she would she would ingrain that in me so I would always have an altar in my house as a kid like you said not knowing what the hell it was about it was just right. something I would have with these items. She would always be here, put this on your altar, put that on your altar. And she would tell me like, if anything resonates with you that you feel you should put on there, put on there. So I started to grow this little spirituality thing on my own, kind of not really knowing too well. And just one thing led to another. I ended up getting involved more into the religion. Um, I got a reading from somebody and the guy was basically like, look, you need religion in your life. He goes, it doesn't have to be this religion. It doesn't have to be my religion, but you need religion in your life. And I went to Catholic school my whole life. I've always had religion class. I've been to church. I did all that, but that never spoke to me. Right. And when I got involved into this tradition, it spoke to me, like literally spoke to me. And it just, the smell of the incense, the sound of the music, the whole essence of being in that botanica was something like I wanted to do. Like I really wanted to open up a botanica. You know what I mean? Like I was just so driven to it. Make a long story short, I got fully, fully committed. And by doing that, um, what we do is we wear white for a year and we go through a one year of cleansing. So no drinking, no smoking, no um, dancing, no dancing. Like you have all these restrictions. You got to be in before nighttime. Um, You got to eat on the floor. You got to like all these all these um, things that you have to do for this year to kind of cleanse your body and your soul, something similar to like what a uh, born again Christian would do. Right. You know what I mean? Like the the concept of it's a new beginning type of thing. So that's when I stepped away from anything illegal prior to that. I had my hands in all kinds of little shifty things, you know what I mean? To try to pay my bills. But prior to that, like once I made that decision to go into this spirituality journey, I just left all of that life behind me. Like I cut off all my friends, like, Everybody was like, damn, Timo's weird, man. The dude done, he's wearing white and all these necklaces. <laughs> he talks to me no more. Like, I was that weird old dude from the neighborhood that everyone kind of just said, okay, he's on some weird shit. Um, and then, like, like I said, when things got legal, I kind of came back. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm back. You know what I mean? And everybody's like, where you been, man? You know? like. But get back to your question. Um, yeah, it's been very instrumental in my life. You know what I mean? Like it's taught me about healing. It's taught me about ancestors. It's taught me about nature. You know what I mean? And like really connected me to this, to, to nature, to the ocean, to the forest, to the river. You know, like I worship nature 100 percent. 
even with my elders, like to bring in the cannabis into this, like I never let them know that I smoke weed or I never let them know that when I first met my padrino and I, and I told him what I was doing, I told him I was into the game at that time. And he was like, no way. Not if you're going to be doing this, you know what I mean? Like you got to cut that off. So once he, once I learned that from him and I cut it off, like my life changed, you know what I mean? Like doors started opening for me, like not just on a physical level, but like on a spiritual level, on a mental level, like I got a lot lighter. I didn't feel so heavy anymore. So I always kept my cannabis use secret. Like I never brought it up and I knew they knew like everyone smokes weed, right? They never like brought it up to me. They always kind of kept it and I always kept it away. And once things got legal and I started getting into the cannabis industry and I would like get consultations from my elders and talk to them about my business ventures, it became more of a conversation and became more open. Like it's legal now. Right. And it got to the point to where I asked one of my elders, like, we use all these different herbs in our ceremonies, all these different herbs from different parts of the world. And I was like, was cannabis ever used in Santa Maria? And he was like, actually, it was. You know what I mean? The herb, they call it Ewe Bade, and it belongs to Chango. And I was like, seriously? He goes, yeah, and we use it in ceremony. I mean, we can. We have the authority to use this specific herb. I was like, wow, if I bring some, can I bring some to the next ceremony? He was kind of like, kind of like gave me the shrug. And these are very older people in the Latino community. I'm talking probably in the 60s and 70s. So very conservative, you know what I mean? But here we are with legalization, like we're bringing this back into our tradition now. You know what I mean? Like slowly but surely, I'm trying to like scratch at that door to be like, hey, there's no reason why we can't use this plant here put it on the mat and use it in our, in our religion, in our, in our ceremony. So yeah, so that's kind of what that's about. Thank you for that. And and I loved how it, it all tied right back into it. And in, in that bio where you said that you went to the ocean and you made that pack with the ocean like that, for sure. that really means a lot. And it ties back into the name seventh wave ties into all the beliefs that you guys, that you, that you have. And definitely thank you for sharing that. Oh, 100%. I mean, seventh wave was, it was something that, like I said, I worship nature. And I knew that, you know, when I went to the ocean and I was just like giving my, just giving out all my problems, you know, that this is what it is. This is what I need. This is what's going on. And if I can make this happen, I will give back. You know what I mean? And I give back to the ocean. So that's why we named the company seventh wave. That's why we have it in our DNA that we give back to the ocean. We do ocean cleanups. We're doing one for Earth Day on the 22nd. You know, we give percentage of, of proceeds when we do start making profit back to ocean cleanup. <laughs> um, so we're very passionate about that because it's all about intention. You know what I mean? Like if it's this isn't about getting rich and making money, that'd be great. But this is more about a movement. It's more about who we are, what we're doing as a family. You know what I mean? And how we're incorporating our business to not only like sell weed, something that I love to do, but it's also like, it's medicine, right? And if I can get this medicine to people, if I can keep the intention of like, when this person buys this jar, not only are they giving themselves medicine or whatever they need for that out of that jar, but they're also supporting the family. They're also supporting social equity. They're also supporting ocean cleanup. You know what I mean? Like this jar is a little bit different than everyone else's jar. You know, it's kind of how we try to push it. I love it. Four G's, guys. Four G's is the brand that Seventh Wave distributes. I know that I wanted to touch on being cannabis parents. How transparent 
are you, how open are you with having dialogue with your children around the topic? We're working with cannabis. We are working through stigmas. And we also know that children and youth these days have more access than even we did. And it's, they're targeted. How do you deal with that? How do you have conversations with your children around that? I think me and Elisa have two different views, not views. You know what I mean? I guess it is two different views. Two different views. views. <laughs> and it has a lot to do with our upbringings too, mm-hmm. right? Like in my house growing up, like my dad would, like for Thanksgiving, we'd be sitting there trimming as a family, like me, my dad, my son, you know what I mean? And my sisters and my mom would be going through the kitchen, like cooking, like it was nothing. So and that was my upbringing. So it was very difficult for me to be different than that, you know, moving forward. But Elisa has a different aspect and the way she thinks. So I'll let you go ahead and do that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I came or I come from a very traditional home and I just based on the facts alone, you know, from what we know, obviously there's not much knowledge and research out there, but what is being, you know, widely studied is like what age, I guess, is the best age to expose the human body to cannabis, right? Without it causing any kind of consequences. And they're saying that it's, you know, 25, right? That's the age when you're, um, I think it's like your frontal lobe in your brain, like officially is completely mature and it doesn't cause any effects, you know? And so keeping that in mind, um, and I've, I've kind of always, I feel like, known that and just how I grew up. Like I, for me personally, I'm still learning, you know what I mean? And I'm still trying to figure out what my style is going to be with my, you know, youngest daughter, right? She's only a year old, so I have some time. <laughs> but um, she's clearly going to be exposed to it. You know, she's clearly going to see cannabis. She's clearly going to know, you know, like we are in the industry, right? Like eventually the conversation and the topic is going to come up. Like, what do your parents do? You know, and how am I going to prepare her to answer that question? Like, it's something that I'm still working through, um, if I'm being very honest. But I do have a sense of kind of how I want to handle it. And I really want her to understand that education is key, you know, so we are actually really uh, big on books. You know what I mean? And like, we have like a nice big kind of library. It's actually right in front of us. So I'm looking at it, but um, we have a nice big library and uh, we want to try to get as many books as we can, you know, about cannabis, about its health benefits, about the facts, you know, and I want to intentionally actually put that out there so that my daughter can grow up with the visualization of it being a very professional, you know, medicinal plant, you know, um, yes, there's the recreational side. And at some point she's going to get interested. And when that time comes, hopefully I'll have a better answer. (laughs) But, you know, if I can imagine just how I'm going to have that conversation with her, for me, it's to be completely honest with her, you know, to let her know, Um, about cannabis, how it affects your body, you know, what it does for you. And be the person there that if she becomes curious before I think it's appropriate for her to, you know, that she will at least feel comfortable enough to trust me, to be with me, um, and to ask me, you know, to guide her 
um, in any use of cannabis if she ever does have a curiosity in the future. You know, um, like Timo said, though, like his view is very different. We do have a blended home, right? So Timo mentioned, you know, on his side, he does have a son and a daughter. He's already had those conversations. So I think it would be good if you mentioned that. Yeah, um, I have had those conversations. I mean, with my son, like I said, he was growing up while my father was alive and was very much involved in everything. Not involved, but very much witnessed a lot of the cannabis uh, activities that we would have, right? Like my father, uh, at, at one point in his life, he bought a house out in um, Central Valley and he would grow these beautiful plants in his backyard planter, you know, and the family would go visit and it was like a whole event, you know, and like everybody was kind of in on it and watching us trim and they would joke about it. And my dad never smoked with me. Like there was a respect thing there, like, but he would give me weed and I'd go in the backyard and go smoke. You know what I mean? So it, it was kind of a different relationship. Um, me and my kids, my daughter, you know, she's 11 years old and I've had the conversation with her about cannabis and she knows that I'm in the cannabis industry and, she knows about our brand and, you know, it's like I have the conversations with her and I just like I try to take as much curiosity out of it as much as possible. That's kind of what I try to do. Right. That's the way I my thing is like this is everything. This is it. You want to look at it. You want to touch it. You want to hold it like right now is the time to do that while you're under supervision. And I can tell you about it as opposed to someone else telling you something that may or may not be true or giving you something that's not, you know, what it is, whatever. Right. So. I just kind of take the, the curiosity out. Like I'm an open book and I think my kids know that. So my daughter at 11 years old, if she wants to know something, she knows she can ask me. It's it's up to her if she wants to have that conversation, right? But mm-hmm. I think she knows like her dad will give her the the straight up as opposed to being like, I don't want to talk about that. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? And I do want to note too that like after having that conversation with her, I've noticed that she's been a lot more comfortable in talking about like what is going on in her little circle of friends, you know, and she's like, she's opened up to me, you know, probably just because I'm, you know, another female and she feels like she can connect. Right. So she'll open up to me about like the little things that are going on. And, you know, she'll talk about like her friends are getting curious and she talks about like what her own curiosity is, you know? And I think just the way, Timo did handle it, set the tone for her to trust us a little bit more. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, if we had set the tone as strict as I, as how I had it when I was growing up, like it it would have probably been a very different outcome, you know? And it's like, for me, like I said, you know, earlier, I started smoking when I was like 13, 14 and I hid it from my parents. You know what I mean? They, till this day, are questioning if I, you know, consume cannabis, right? I mean, if they hear the podcast, I'm sure they're going to like, no. <laughs> but, um, but you know, like it's they, uh, it's never something that I've flat out told them. Like, yes, I consume cannabis and I use it for X, Y, and Z. And this shit is generational. Like, yeah. really, like from her parents to our kids, like everybody's dealing with this stigma. Mm-hmm. Like even her mom... You know, we've been married two years and, you know, I'm back and forth to Humble all the time. And like when her family comes to visit her mom, like I haven't met all of the family just all yet. Right. So they'll be like, hey, where's the new husband at? Where's Timo? And they'll be like, oh, he's in working in Humble. What does he do? And her mom would get all bashful and not yeah. want to go there. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't want to tell her family that yeah. they're in the cannabis industry. You know what I mean? And it's just like so. 
we're like, we got to educate everybody from yeah. our elders to our youngsters to each other. It's just like, yeah. it's a whole new way of thinking. And again, like I've seen the consequences just from firsthand experience, you know, of that. And I think for our children, it's, we want to set a different tone. You know, we want it to be more open, more trustworthy, more accepting and educational. Right. So that's the bigger piece. I think for me that I really want to like help, you know, push forward. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And for being so honest about, we don't have it all figured out just yeah. yet. You know, <laughs> like that's, and that's truth. That is the truth. Right. Cause we're doing things so differently, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. um, So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And we, you know, and we, same deal, right? I have a 12 year old. We have a blended family. And as you mentioned that she goes to you to, to have conversations and, Mm -hmm. you know, my daughter does the same with Julia Mm -hmm. and she'll talk to her about what's going on with her friends. And I'll ask her and she was like, nothing, dad, it's okay. (laughs) But then she'll come back around and talk to Julia about it. And, that's cool for me. As long as she's able to say it to an adult, for me that that's perfectly fine. Because we've I've tried having the conversation. Well, I've had the conversation with her, and it's I know, Dad. I know, Dad. I'm not gonna do it, Dad. I'm not gonna do it. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I know you're not right now, but I want you to also understand and have that same concept of taking away that curiosity and just allowing her to to learn from that that sense. Yeah. So where can we find 4Gs? Right now, we're strictly in the Bay Area. Um, we're in San Francisco. Um, you can, We're in about three different cookie stores. So we're in Burners on Hate. Um, we just sold out of Burners on Hate, actually, this last week. But they're putting in a nice. Congrats. Yes, yeah, thank yeah. You. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, we're bringing them another order. Um, we got Burners Merced. That's in Merced. Um, we were also up in Reading. So those are kind of like we're scattered. And then the rest are all in San Francisco, like Barbary Coast, Mission Canna Club. Um, Mission Organics. Mission Organics. Golden Gate Cannabis Golden Gate Club. Cannabis. Yeah. So California yeah. Cannabis. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been reaching the Bay Area. You know, that that was my strategy from the very beginning, like going to Humboldt County and based on all the connections that I have in San Francisco, like just building that pipeline now, you know. And mm-hmm. now our next, you know, we'll – not next, but like we're kind of looking at LA area, right? And we've kind of talked yeah. about that, Daddy, and like really making that ecosystem together, you know, and trying to figure out how we can have different hubs. And you know, what I mean, not just for us, but for other brands in Southern California and the Bay Area that want to come up north. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we could have a place to house pro- product for them, and they could house product for us, and vice versa. Like just try to figure it out. You know, that's like all learning. Okay, and if they want to follow you folks on social media, where can they look for you? They can follow us at Seventh Wave. So it's seven T H underscore Wave on Instagram, and uh, yeah, that's our Instagram. And we do have a website. It's www.seventhwave, and it's spelled out. So S E V E N T H Wave LLC dot com. Perfect. Thank you. Go follow them, folks. Check them out. Thank you. And also, you know, for everyone that you guys want to try, they have a lot of great products out. Make sure to reach out to your local dispensaries uh, to have those dispensaries reach out to 7th Wave and see about how can we get some of their products into other shops, into other areas. And I know they're always open to, to try to get into other doors. 
And I'm sure we'll have another conversation in the future about those challenges. Thank you for, for being on the show. Thank you for Thank you. spending some time, your, your Saturday night with us. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> I know you guys have a lot going on, but thank you. And for those listening, thank you guys for tuning in to episode four. Uh, Make sure you guys hit the follow uh, button on any platform that you're in. Also, make sure to to leave us a rating and a comment about this week's episode. You guys can follow us on said underscore connects on Instagram and on Facebook. And thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate you and your time. Thank you for the love and support, folks. And with that being said, we're calling it a night. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, Penny and Julia. Thank you.